Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this week's UFC prelims card. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Bloody Elbow fight analysts Zane Simon and Connor Rebush. Hey everybody, welcome back to the MMA Viva section with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Connor Rebush. We are here once again talking about this week's UFC card, UFC 289, going down at the Rogers Arena in Vancouver, BC, Canada, headlined by a women's bantamweight title fight, Amanda Nunez uh, against Irene Aldana. And uh, yeah, not not so much a pay-per-view card. I do have to wonder, however, not being much of a pay-per-view. I mean, I I guess they need something on ESPN to lead people into the pay-per-view. But why you put Nasadinovov versus Chris Curtis on? the prelims over Barrio Anders or Malat Fujit. Well, as we were joking on the main card, I mean, they also put Danny Ige and Nate Landwehr on the prelims. Because... <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. The whole thing out of the top two does not feel like a pay-per-view. Yeah, no. it's just it's just because they got to have... They got to have, they gotta have that fight. strong... Yeah, you got to give ESPN a, a, a product for them to pitch as well. Yeah, you got to have one good fight on the ESPN card. That's the bare minimum. That's what they got. Yeah, no kidding. One good fight. Um, yeah. It is a good fight, though. It is. It's a, good, it's a cool fight. No question about that. And uh, I think the question of the matchup really is, how much Cyril Gon does Nasruddin Imavov have in him? Mm. Because... I think it's a very winnable matchup for a guy with his frame and his tools. Sure. I mean, we, you cannot overlook for even a second how much Chris Curtis struggled with Jack Hermanson. Yes. And it was a, a ton. A ton. An immensely frustrating fight for him. He literally just could not um, make himself take – I mean, he, he is a small fighter. It is – yeah. He is a very stocky guy. He's not like super quick on his feet, um, but also just stylistically, his whole game is not designed to to engage in that kind of fight. Um, and Jack Hermanson was incredibly committed and super consistent with that performance. Without that, um, very likely Curtis would have made something happen. I mean, he did go for it. He's just limited in that kind of matchup. Yeah, and once he go, he went for it, he couldn't cut off the cage either. Like his his yeah. footwork isn't structured for for that kind of fight either. No, he's got the super side on stance. He tries to stay behind his lead shoulder, keep his his backhand, his best counter shot really loaded up. Um, and so anybody who just insistent insists on shuffling to Chris Curtis's right is going to force him to really awkwardly reset his feet again and again, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially when you're creating threats that force him to use his really solid defense because um, that good head movement also requires him to plant his feet even more. Yeah. And then you can outmaneuver him once you get those reactions out of him. That's what Hermanson did. He did it with incredible consistency, probably one of his best performances ever. Um, and, uh, yeah, Nasir Nemovov is like Hermanson's size. He might even be bigger. Mm-hmm. He's tall. He's rangy. Uh, he's faster, I think, than Jack Hermanson. Like, Imovov has the, yeah. the look of a really strong athlete. But consistency is not the word Yeah, for Imovov. And neither... Do you, is he a fighter that you would ever expect, based on what we've seen so far, to be content with a methodical win? 
Yeah, Imavov usually he can back away, he can circle away and play the Matador for a bit, but his game right. always tends to fall into if you're pressuring me and I'm backing away, I'm going to out wrestle you to answer that right. threat. So and he yeah he's more for as far as tall guys go he has more of like the Shavkat Rachmanov mindset, uh-huh. but he still has Cyril Gon's technique, uh-huh. which is to say it's not all that deep. Rachmanov yeah. is a guy who will get into those crazy exchanges and he will need there is no no end to the ideas he's going to have on how to navigate them. Uh, Imovov is like much more one and done, darting in to land the big shot. And he's incredibly inefficient, too. And so mm-hmm. he tends to gas. And, and so, yeah, it's a real toss-up, this matchup to me, because uh, I think the win is right there on the table, but I have never seen anything to suggest that Imavov is going to be able to to make himself fight the way Hermanson did, um, despite it seeming like such an obvious way to approach this. And, and maybe that's what it takes. It's like he's had a loss. He's had some rougher fights recently. He's going to go in there and be like, you know what? I'm just going to win. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think he, I, I can't trust him down the stretch. And I also can't trust him not to actually give Chris Curtis exchanges that will allow Curtis to get himself into the fight. I can't trust him not to back himself into the fence and just kind of hang out there either. Which, like, you know, Brendan Allen tried to be a mobile outfighter against Chris Curtis. That wasn't enough uh, movement, enough consistency to prevent Curtis from walking him down and ripping his guts out when he was backed up against the cage. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of feel like it's, again, it's right there for Imovov. I'm going to take Curtis mostly because I like Chris Curtis more. Yeah. That is part of this too, is I keep having to think to myself, it's like, I just like the way Chris Curtis fights. Yeah. And he's a cool guy. He wears his heart on his sleeve. Even when he's pissed, I'm like, yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> he's acting like an asshole. But I'm like, he's a very genuine guy. And Imovov yeah. seems like kind of a shit heel, to be honest. <laughs> I just don't, I don't know. I think he has a bad attitude, but um, it's entirely not a good reason to pick the fight. Yeah. But I, I, I do think knowing Imovov from what I've seen in the past, he is going to allow this to be way closer than it needs to be. And Chris it, Curtis will sneak those kinds of things out. He will land one really, really good shot. Uh, that makes a difference. I will say in much the same way that it only spoke poorly of Mike Perry, that he hangs out, that he hangs out with Kevin Nicholson. (laughs) It does speak rather well of Sean Strickland, that he spends a lot of time hanging out with Chris Curtis. (laughs) I suppose that could go either way. Why is Chris Curtis hanging out with Sean? Yeah, but you know, it's MMA. Like we can only ask so much. These people spend their time in the gym together. They, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I have some friends I'm not exactly proud of. But it is one of those things that, like... It's you. It, it, you know, well, thank you. <laughs> I'd on. worry if you were proud of me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, it's not that I'm not proud of you. I'm not proud of myself. Oh, okay. For yeah, well, associating I, with you. <laughs> I'd worry about that if you were, too. It's not. It's like it's like that line from Job in Arrested Development. Yeah. Oh, I'm not ashamed of you. I'm ashamed to be seen with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like you know, it, it's very much the thing of like, you never want to be the smartest guy you know. <laughs> and uh, Mike Perry always seems to me to be the smartest guy Mike Perry knows, which is I think a very scary idea. Yes. Like Chilling. you look at all the people in Mike Perry's orbit and you're like, oh, I think you are the genius actually here among these people. I think in a battle of wits between Mike Perry and Alex Nicholson's buff dad. Uh, Mike yeah, Perry's Mike the Perry, smart one. He's probably winning those debates. Yeah. And so it speaks well of Sean Strickland that you look at his, his orbit of influence. You're like, okay, you're clearly not the smartest dude, you know, that's, yeah. That's that's good for you, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, Chris, well maybe he like maybe Chris Curtis is a bit of a surrogate father figure to him as well. Curtis is a dad. He has a dad vibe. He's the dad yeah. who gets into a fight at his kid's soccer game for sure. But sure. That, yeah. That's a type of dad. Yeah. Anyway. It. Uh, it is hard to call this because, yeah, I can really see. 
Imabov frustrating Curtis in exactly the same ways that Hermanson did. But as you know, mostly in short bursts. Uh, the worry... The, the worry here for Curtis would be that this is a three-round fight and not a five-round fight. So two rounds of those short bursts, even if Imavov gets tired in the end, would be yeah. might be enough to take the fight away. Yeah, that's why my, my gut feeling that I'm ignoring is that probably this is a good matchup for Imavov. Yeah, and... It is, also worth noting that, it, it is also worth noting that Imavov in this fight with Sean Strickland, well, that was a five-round fight, though. I was going to say that he has he has thrown more fight or more strikes than Chris Curtis ever has in the octagon. Yeah. But realistically, Chris Curtis against Hadolfo Vieira, he let, or he he did a lot of work. In that fight, you look at the Kelvin Gastelum fight. It's not like he can't push a pace or can't, no, match, no, yeah. can't yeah. match a pace when it is brought to him. Yeah. He's a far more efficient fighter, both in the form on his punches that they just cost less energy for him to throw yeah. with serious power, but also uh, that uh, he, you know, he gets away with throwing more only because he makes his shots count. He's accurate. Yeah. And it, it should be noted that Imavov, while he did throw a lot in that Sean Strickland fight, he entirely failed to match Strickland's pace. Yeah, and a lot like, of those shots. I mean, credit to him, he survived being gassed, but he was gassed early yeah. into that one. He he really had the, he was really taken out of that fight in a hurry. Yes. I'm going to pick Curtis here. I think the big the other big thing here is the Buckley fight. And like, yeah, Imavov won that fight, but he let Buckley all the way back in it. Mm -hmm. And Curtis is much more capable of taking small sw swings of momentum and cl using them to close doors than Buckley is. Buckley is a fighter who will just kind of keep coming at you the same yeah. pace, the same tempo all the time. And if you slow down, he won't. Curtis is a fighter who is much more capable of like, oh, you're starting faster than me. I'll hang around. Yeah. And if you lose a step, I'm just going to snatch the momentum away from you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I just think basically this is probably a bad style much matchup for Chris Curtis, but Chris Curtis is, uh, I, I think, a better fighter. Yeah. Is the problem I I'm having with it. I'll pick I'll I'll stick with you and pick Chris Curtis here. I don't like it, but yeah, I you, you see what I'm saying. I see what you're seeing and it I like Chris the way Chris Curtis fights too. I you know, it's hard for me to when you got a guy who like reacts who who gets into the the pocket, lands shots, reacts to shots and then lands more shots. Mhm. Mm like that just that 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 really that really starts my motor, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it may be a very a fairly narrow definition of it, but like this is a dude in MMA who knows how to box box. Yeah, the the dude has hands and defense and is perfectly comfortable in an exchange that for other fighters would be chaotic, but does not cross the boundary into chaos for him because, yeah, he, he he's he's a very systematic fighter in the pocket. Yep. I, awesome. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, me too. Curtis opened at plus 105, currently at plus 131. Imavov opened at minus 116, is currently at minus 146. All right. Sure. That brings us to a woman's flyweight bout Miranda Maz Maverick, Jasmine Jasudavicius. And uh, this should be a pretty simple fight for Miranda Maverick. Mm. But there is always the chance for an outlier with her. Her game is not nearly as concrete as it ever looks like it should be. And I think in part it's because she doesn't 
actually have a game. Yeah. She's, uh, you know, she's recently made the jump over to Team Elevation. And I think they're trying to build her a striking game that is fundamentally hers. The game is coming. The game is coming. But it's still in fits and starts. Like, you know, she she really dragged Shanna Young for a three-round fight that it does not feel like she should have needed to have. Yeah. And uh, her, her, her wrestling and grappling games, which have always been strong, they're very position. It's, it's very much, they're strong in positions when she's got positions to win. But when she doesn't get positions to win, she can just as easily be taken out of the fight using those same strengths. Mm. Like Aaron Blanchfield just went out there and like put a wrestling clinic on her. Yeah. You know? I mean, granted, that's Aaron Blanchfield. Yeah, but she's pretty she's pretty damn good at that. She's she's pretty damn good at that. It, but it's something that I've seen out of uh Maverick in other fights too. Like mm-hmm. you know, back in uh back in her Invicta days, having a really tough back and forth fight with I think with Pearl Gonzalez and Deanna Bennett, and she even lost to Brogan Walker Sanchez. And Brogan Walker Sanchez's game is fundamentally broken. Like yeah. Yasmin Lucindo styled on Brogan Walker Sanchez in a fight that even Yasmin Lucindo was just like, why are you wh- why are you letting this person in this fight at all? Yeah. They are not well suited to fighting in at a high level. And Maverick has lost these fights. She can just get put on the mat. And Jasmine Jasudovicius, she is working hard to uh, lock up the fundamental strength of her game, which is just being bull or bullheaded and being a bully and pushing forward and trying to get the fight to the ground where she can get on top of somebody, and then her game really shines. Yeah, she's got a really good top game of just control and high output ground and pound. Yeah. A punishing top position crap. Yep. And, uh, you know, in her last fight, just being hard headed and willing to push forward and willing to get clinches, it was enough to get body locks, get to takedowns and take over the fight. She's not a great wrestler, but she's doing it with more. Con- she, that fight showed that she was doing it with more consistency and pressure than she has in the past. You know, it was it was Kay Hansen who ran at Jasuda Vicious in their fight and forced the constant clinch tie-ups where Hansen started getting out wrestled. And it, the moment Hansen stopped doing that, she just out started out kickboxing Jasuda Vicious. Because she's not very fast. She's really quite foot slow standing. Yeah. So this to me is just like the fight that Maverick, if she's solid in her game, if she knows what fight she wants to have, it's right there for her to win. You're faster. You're stronger. Just stay, stay away. Be out, be rangy, be long. Don't, don't let this person tie up with you. And if you do let them tie up with you, you got to stay off your back. Yeah. In fact, I mean, I, probably the ideal game plan for Maverick here is, yeah, to like run Jessica Vicius around. Mm-hmm. And when she starts to feel herself running out of real estate, be the one to close the gap. Yeah. You and shake her down. Absolutely. Yeah. And and your her physical advantages are really going to tell. Because as, as impressive as Jessica Devicius can be in top position, as, as she pretty much always is when she gets top position, we, we have seen her just held down. Yeah, she's like like Maverick. It, she, her her dominance on the mat is entirely based on her advantage, having it, an advantage. 
Yeah. If if she does not get the advantageous position, she is not going to sweep you and suddenly start or submit you off from a bad spot and scramble and turn it into something yeah. where she's dominating. You know, I so, think Maverick can probably do that. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm going to pick Maverick, but like it, it really is a case for her with her where it's just like. Just tighten it up. I mean, you're tw- she's 25, so she's got time to do that. 25, good athlete, finally yep. at a, a really credible team. I think yeah. probably she is going to get closer to the fighter she should be. Yeah, just tighten it up, because if you fight the fights you want to fight, very few people are going to beat you, you know? Yeah. And Jacinta Vicious shouldn't be one of them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to take Maverick as well. I mean, I think it starts with just uh, having a, a fairly obvious physical edge. Yeah. She is just harder hitting. She's stronger. She's more mobile. Um, she has a lot more room for error because of that. Uh, but I, I do also think, yeah, we have already seen some good signs out of this, like, this the, the new professional fighter stage of Miranda Maverick's yeah. career. Uh, she seems to be taking it very seriously. I think she looks like she's getting good instruction. There's still going to be some hiccups for sure. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think the game plan to, to win this easily is pretty straightforward. And even then I, I again, I think she could, she can afford to make more mistakes yeah. than a lesser athlete like Jesse Devisius and still sort of luck her way into a win. I will say, I do, th- you know, my worry really is just that Jasuda Vicious seems like she's figured out what her game needs a lot quicker. You sure. Know? Yeah. She was just sort of like, oh, I'll have slow paced, rangy kickboxing battles. Or if somebody ties up with me, I might get on top of them and that's where I can dominate. And she, in her last fight, was like, oh, I'm just going to pressure fight. Yep. And go for body lock takedowns. Yeah. And like, yeah, that that is exactly the game you should be having all the time. 100%. And yeah, and, and I don't think it would be suicidal at all for Maverick to allow her to pressure some, but she needs to get in first on those tie-ups if yeah. that's what she's going to do. Yeah. If she lets herself get run into the fence and Jessica Vicius gets underhooks on her first. Um, again, I mean, as as much as I say there's more room for error for an athlete like Maverick, um, Jasta Devisius is not a fighter who wastes the opportunities she gets to get on top no. of people. She will do a lot of damage that will start to narrow that, that yeah. room for error and will make it much harder to come back into the fight later. She will yep. stack it up on you. Yeah. It, it's, uh, you know, it's the case of like the, the lower tier athlete having to have, having to figure their game out faster and, yeah. you know, having to, having to target their ability and their, their advantages whenever they have them because they need to count for more. Mm-hmm. Maverick is a big favorite here. Not terribly surprised. She's definitely the higher profile prospect as well. Opened at minus 261 is currently minus 291. Jesuda Vicious opened at minus two or plus 225 is currently at plus 247. So... That brings us to a bantamweight fight. Ayman Zahabi, Aori Chileng. Woo! Finally, they found the good bantamweights. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, um, man, I, I just rewatched Ayman Zahabi's uh, last fight because I had entirely forgotten it. Mm-hmm. It was one of the last ones I watched in prep for this. Not and- good. <laughs> no, he has become capital T technical. Yeah. I literally, I turn on the fight. I just sort of, you know, I, I, I skip all the intro shit when I'm doing research, obviously. So I jump ahead and it's like, you know, 15 seconds into the first round. Um, and immediately started laughing at how <laughs> far apart the fighters were standing. Oh God. Yeah. And then I was like, surely just I, I you know went back to watch it but I was like surely as this goes on like this often happens and the distance will get closer as the fight goes on jumped ahead halfway through round two nope we're standing eight feet apart that is capital T technical right there yeah that is an, an idea of maintaining distance that betrays a total lack of understanding of like 
what the distance is actually good for. Because ideally, you're far enough, if you're going to try to to, main, to manage the distance, you're far enough away that you don't get hit, but that you can pretty quickly step in and hit when you need to. Uh-huh. <laughs> the less you have to make a strike miss by, the better, because uh, then you're in position to do something about it. It was one of the most awkward kickboxing fights I think I've seen in recent memory. Yeah, especially uh, when you marry that in with all of uh, Tercios's yelling and stomping. Just no, no kidding. Just the most ridiculous. Like, not only are you two not close enough to hurt each other, but yeah. I'm also having to watch you mime like you might hurt him. Yeah, you might hurt each other over and over again. Yeah. It was, it was like at the, I mean, I also just, you know, of course, rewatched uh, Nunes Shevchenko too. And it's like how they were like trying to get at each other immediately mm-hmm. when round five ended. <laughs> it's like you just had so much time to do this. What, what was happening before that you <laughs> now you're mad and now you want to fight, apparently. I don't know. That happens often. Yeah, I can't remember what fight. Oh, it was Philip. I think it was Felipe Lin's Maxim Grishin from last week where I was, I was doing a, like writing up a live uh, breakdown yeah. or, or live sort of doing a live thread for our, a sub stack, which I'm going to be doing again for the pay-per-view. So, you know, come in, hang out, chat fights, chat beer, TV, whatever. I'll be on our sub stack. Just, uh, you know, talking about the fights as they go. Nice. But uh, I think it was I think it was Lynn's Griffin where I said that they fight like dogs on the other side, like dogs <laughs> yes. on the other side of a fence. Yeah. And then the fence falls down or gets opened. Yeah. Up suddenly. Oops. Yeah. That's, real now. That is very much Tercios versus. Uh, yeah. I'm on Zahavi was just like you guys fight like you don't want to fight. Yep. Anyway, the the the, the thing is, is like. Uh, that's what it looks like when Zahabi tries to be technical because he is a brawler. Yeah. He is a maniac brawler and does not understand what it he, means to fight when it is not utter chaos. He more than just looks, he should be Benil Dariush. <laughs> like yeah. he he should be taking the pages of Benil Dariush's book and taking them to heart and reading it like the playbook of his career. Yeah, but he's just not as good. Yeah. You know, well, like you, you'd need to be a big part of being Benil Dariush is being Benil Dariush on the ground. Yeah. Well, uh, and just having that. He doesn't that. have any. He, there's no. There's no reason he couldn't be that good. He's been training out of one of MMA's top gyms for like 15 years. Um. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, like... He's just not that talented. I mean, that's yeah. all there is yeah. to it. He's, he doesn't have the I makings know. of Benil Dariush. Um, and so I don't know exactly what to expect from Zahabi here. Like, if he is going to try that again, just, like, sort of not doing much and being like, no, you. But uh, I, I'll reach you, Lang, methodically, not not impatiently, but he he will yes him. He will create engagements. He will slowly work his way forward and apply a little bit more pressure as the fight goes on. And he will do that having it in mind that as soon as Ayaman Zahabi gets tetchy, gets jumpy, and make and commits to some mistake, that he is going to punish him with two quick counters and then start all over. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of the Arichi Lang game. And uh, it's pretty solid, honestly. Yep. Like it's not, It doesn't, doesn't blow you away to watch him fight, but it makes a lot of sense. It's a very clear sort of one size fits all process that takes advantage of his frame and um, his abilities as a counter puncher. Yeah. You can so, brawl through it. Oh, like, for sure. Oh yeah. You know, he's his losses to Jeff Molina and Cody Durden were very much two dudes who were just like, I'm just going to go after you. And if you want to counter me with two shots, then you're going to have, I'll eat, I'll make you eat three. Yeah. And, and neither of those were um, blowouts, you know, no. like he was very competent and competitive in both of these. Um, but he doesn't need to do that 
with Sahabi. I mean, I'm probably it's best for Ayaman if he makes that happen because I don't know. I just don't see him winning against anyone good with <laughs> what he showed in his last fight. That was yeah. not a winning approach. It was extremely aimless. Yeah. Um, Arichi Lang is not aimless. He is probably just as good in a brawl, uh, but he is also better when it's not a brawl than Zahabi is, so I'm going to take him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm going to take Arichi Lang uh, as well. That Zahabi fight was ugly and the fights he's gotten wins in, the, the wins he's gotten in the UFC like there you know you pretty much have a guy who wouldn't engage with him and a guy who just did not have any of the real realistic physicality to compete at this level yeah and uh, a, a tough uh, Reginaldo Vieira tough like reject also guy who doesn't really have the physicality to compete at this level. Yeah. Both Vince Morales and Ricardo Hamosh did not struggle too much. No. And our Lang is, yeah, it's, it's a little slow paced for flyweight or bantamweight, but, uh, and certainly Cameron else and Jay Perrin are no more shining examples of. No. Uh, UFC contendership than the people's hobbies beaten. But yeah, there's a lot more promise in those fights with Jeff Molina and Cody Durden. You can at least see a method being carried out. Yeah. So yeah, I'll take Archie Lang as well. Um, wouldn't be a bad time for Zahabi to show off some wrestling and grappling. Mm-hmm. Lang is not that hard to take down. Uh, but he is tends to be hard does tend to be hard to keep down. So all right, odds on the bout. Chilang is the uh favorite here. And I just somehow screwed up my there we go. Chilang is the favorite. And I can't uh damn it. <laughs> Something just messed up with the odds page I was looking at. There we go. He's the favorite, and... Okay, that still didn't work. Damn it. <laughs> That's really What's stupid. happening? It sounds like something's messed I, up. Every time right. I click it to pull up the little graph that shows me what the odds should be, it just opens the window again blank. So the odds go away. <laughs> and I'm relearning this over and over again. So far, we know he's the we know our he's he's the favorite minus one eighteen. The hobby is also though at minus odds at minus one ten and can even be gotten at the favorite line on some books. All right, so they're dead even. I can't tell you what the odds have moved to or how they've moved because every time I try to open that, it just makes the screen go blank and then I say, and he's the favorite. Um, all right, that brings us to a featherweight bout. Blake Builder versus Kyle Nelson. At last. I've been waiting to see this fight. Yeah. Um, I I mean, Kyle Nelson, man, we've been over this so much. Yeah, we get it. The, the, the story is written in stone at this point. That, like, he's... He's a very capable heavy-handed puncher with some very capable strong takedowns and top control and ground and pound. He is also so tense and so stiff when he fights that any amount of work he does, whether it's his own success or his opponent's, starts to gas him terribly. Yeah. And, yeah, it just, his opponents either have to be very breakable right away, or he's going to get broken in return. That's pretty much it. And uh, I don't think Blake Builder is that breakable. Certainly the fact that he has not yet lost in his career would suggest that he's not that breakable. Yeah. 
and uh, I really liked. Honestly, like he's got a, he's got a really limited striking game. He's a very I think he's a very good athlete, very good natural athlete. Um, mm-hmm. Probably somebody who is almost exclusively focused on his wrestling and grappling coming up, and is learning to strike, but has the sort of there's a bit of a like. I don't want to say it's Tyrone Woodley in power, but that sense of like the way Tyrone Woodley learned to strike over time mm-hmm. where like early in his career, he was pretty much just this hold you down wrestler. And then he, he learned to strike. And as he learned to strike, he, he hit pretty hard because he was a very good athlete mm-hmm. and it was stiff for a long time. And as he worked the kinks out of it, suddenly he's, champ you know suddenly he gained enough smoothness of form that he hit really hard i don't know that blake build is ever going to be that but for somebody who doesn't seem like he has a lot of really natural grace striking builder does seem like he hits really surprisingly hard just by being a good De- natural athlete. Definitely agree. Yeah. And I, yeah, he's not graceful, but his, his mechanics such as they are, are not terrible. Yeah. He has a good idea. of how to throw the punch. It's just, yeah, it looks, you know, rehearsed like it often yeah. does for fighters still kind of learning the ropes. Uh, but what I really like to see was that Shane young in their fight, young did not go away easily. Young stayed in his face and, yeah. uh, slowly tried to turn up the pressure and and turn up his striking late and builder didn't collapse yeah that could have been a prospect loss yeah he just in the third round of that fight even when his takedown stopped working and became his shot became predictable because he doesn't really have the striking to set it up that well yeah he actually just still blasted young with a bunch of really hard hooks Mm mm-hmm so I got to take Builder here. The grappling and wrestling has always been a safety valve for Nelson as his, you know, when he starts getting tired. And I don't think he's going to have that in this fight Mm -hmm. to lean on. And, uh, yeah, then I got to trust Builder's grit as an also good athlete who can hit surprisingly hard to carry him past the point that Kyle Nelson is competitive. Yeah. I mean, this is like... This is not the same kind of test as that Shane Young fight. Yeah. Because this is one where the test is going to come immediately while Builder is still cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could very easily also be a prospect loss. The, the guy yeah. is clearly pretty raw. And um, so far, like against Shane Young, just sort of like bouncing around has been enough to just stop people engaging with him. Nelson has long reach. He, he is a very hard puncher, too. Yeah. He really I mean, is. He 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 puts a ton of power out there. Part of that is because he puts so much effort into his punches, but I think he is just naturally heavy-handed, which is why it's been so frustrating that he has never learned to relax. Yes. Yeah. Very likely Kyle Nelson could take half the power he's putting on his shots out and still be knocking people out. Yeah, it is one of those things where you really got to feel for Kyle Nelson because it's clear that he has a lot of natural talent as a fighter. Yeah. And it's clear he puts the work in, too. Mm -hmm. And it's also clear that fighting just takes everything out of him. Yeah, it is a nerve-wracking experience, clearly. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but basically it's just like I've already seen something to suggest that Builder, you know, when pressed, when put in uncomfortable positions, his instinct is to fight back. He um, he's probably going to have to survive some serious scares very early here, though. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just the fact that Kyle Nelson just blows up when that doesn't succeed immediately. Uh, sometimes you don't even get a full first round of like pep out of Kyle Nelson because of how much he puts out there. I will also it do, it feels like a chance is all like uh, expecting an unproven fighter. To, to weather a storm like that, it's it's a huge question for me. But sure. I, I'll take Builder. But the guys that Kyle Nelson has beat, yeah, like Polo Reyes, uh, somebody named Morteza Rezai, which is oh, a yeah. hell, that, that's a pretty awesome name, Morteza. 
Uh, oh my god, look at the dude. Click on I, his I, yeah. He I looks saw. awesome. He does. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> comma worthy. Uh-huh. All of these fighters, you look at the losses that they have, and they're all losses where they get knocked out instantly. Yep. They are yeah. all fighters who have bad chins and get knocked out right in in the first round of the fight. You got to be fragile and a and a slow starter. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Because even Duho Choi, somebody whose chin is kind of gone, he gets knocked out in second rounds. And he fought Nelson to a draw because right. Nelson couldn't find the power that he started with as the fight went on. Duho Choi is super durable. It's I think it's. He just takes yeah. so much damage that it wears on him. But um, yeah. again, it's 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 a big question. Build Builder is very unproven. Uh, very good signs against Shane Young, but that's Shane Young. Yeah, and without seeing Builder get knocked out yet in his career, I'm just not going to pick it though. I'm just not going to say, oh yeah, no, he'll be somebody that gets slept out for time. Could it happen? Sure, a hundred percent. I mean, he hasn't been knocked out, but who has he fought? Yeah, fair enough. Builder is the favorite here. Opened at minus, or is currently at minus 233. Kyle Nelson at plus 203. Oh, and the line's working now. So Builder opened at minus 195. Is currently down at minus 233. Nelson opened at plus 173. Currently at plus 203. So those lines. Actually, movement on that line. Uh, Builder was at minus 195 up until like a day ago. And that line has jumped 40 points in Builder's favor since then. So quite a bit of money looks to be coming in on Builder as we get closer to fight day. All right, that brings us to a flyweight bout. David Dvorak, Steve Ersig. And um, man, they really like, they dug up Australian Ryan Hall. (laughs) that's exactly what i was thinking every single way shape and form yeah that is a ryan hall ass tapology photo not only a ryan hall tapology photo but like if if you see this guy in his fights yeah he just like the shrug on his face is permanent (laughs) yes yeah he's in there making uh he's in there making a a pixar poster face 100 percent of the time yes Except, of course, uh, in his case, instead of being the, huh, it's good day. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Australian uh, Australian version of main character from How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this is uh, one of our dudes, David Dvorak. Yeah. We like watching him fight. Uh, unfortunately, they have matched him up against a guy. Yep. Um, it's not like... I, you know, I've seen worse signings recently than from what I've seen from Steve Erseg. We're going to have yep. to learn how to pronounce his name. I'm sure we're doing it wrong. You know, he's, um, I'll say this. He, he, he fights a little bit more like a flyweight than a lot of the other randos they've picked up for this division lately. Uh, yeah. at least when it comes to the grappling, he is yeah. a really, really scrambly grappler. Great scrambling grappler. Um, and it even comes through in like, you watch most of the first rounds I've seen from him. There's not a ton of footage out there on Steve Ersig. Yeah. Most of what uh, you see from early rounds, somebody will just go in for a takedown and you're like, Ooh, this dude's wrestling is bad. Uh, he just gets, somebody smashes into his hips and he cannot react in time. And he's kind of thinking about maybe I could get some kind of guillotine on the way down and Oh, I'm on my back already. Yeah. But Generally, as these fights go on and he sort of attunes himself to the idea that the opponent is going to take him down, you actually start to see um, like he, he has a funky wrestling approach to take down defense. And you will start to see him going with the momentum of these shots that he cannot stop outright and coming up with some cool ideas of how to basically mm-hmm. start the scramble before he ever hits the ground. Yeah turning side on and rolling for a leg. 
um, you know, reaching for a Kimura. He does have a pretty nasty guillotine when he is in time to put it on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, also looks pretty damn dangerous from the back. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a lot of fun on the ground. I mean, yeah. he really is just Ryan Hall bites us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He, he will invert. He'll go for legs um, really quick to jump into good positions and really aggressive when he gets them. Um, but that also looks like pretty much all he has, also like Ryan Hall. <laughs> In fact, he's only an inch shorter than Ryan Hall. Ryan Hall's been out for a while. Are we sure this isn't just Ryan Hall? <laughs> like, Ryan We're going to find out that Ursig is... His career. Yeah, we're gonna find out that Ursig is like Hungarian for for corridor. And yeah, it's, like a, it's a clever nod to his former identity. Yeah, um, maybe Ryan witnessed a murder and had to be like a mob hit and had to go into witness protection in Australia. Lost a bunch of weight. <laughs> um. Well, you know, the one thing that going against that theory is that Ryan Hall did sort of develop a weird striking game did, by, yeah. by his last couple fights. Um, Ursay <laughs> hasn't gotten there yet. No. he he is. It's really just the grappling. He's extremely awkward with the striking. It's part of the reason he gets surprised by the takedown so early because he's, he's not in good position to yeah. stop it. He's not managing his distance. He gets uh, shocked when somebody changes levels and just slams into him. Um, I'm taking Dvorak. Yeah. I mean, not a, not a super easy guy to out-wrestle. Uh, it's a matchup where it seems very likely that Urzeg is going to have to out-wrestle him to get to the ground, not just accept the opponent's wild takedown attempts and roll with them. And uh, Dvorak is super capable on the feet. Mm-hmm. It's also the fact that I think Urzeg is very often much taller than his opponents. I haven't looked at the heights. I assume that's not the case. Dvorak, 5'5", five, 68-inch five, wingspan, Urseg. 5'9". But same yeah, that's reach. a problem. He is Ursig tall, is man. A giant. He's tall. Yeah, I just kind of looked at the footage and assumed uh, he's fighting short flyweights, but he is big. Yeah. But still, is, I'm that, taking Dvorak. Dvorak is a very competent, well-rounded fighter. Yeah, I mean, the big thing is that the level of grappler that Urseg has had to face so far... Yeah. Is really low. Yeah. And uh, Dvorak is, I don't think he's ever been submitted. Or if he has, it's been a long time. Let me see. Is it uh, in his wiki? Should be in his wiki. None yeah, recorded. he's never been submitted. Yeah, none recorded on topology, sir. And Bruno, even Bruno Silva took him down three times in their fight. And Dvorak spent a minute and a half on the mat and had two sweeps. So yeah, he's just a tough fighter to outmaneuver in that Avenue. And then he's a much better striker. Yep. Really solid volume. One, twos, low kicks, fundamentals kind of striker. Yep. So I'll take him, but, uh, or say, you know, a big scramp, good scrambling grappler, should make for a fun addition to the flyweight division, honestly. Yeah. He's he's our new uh, Louis Smolka, I guess. Yeah. Big, awkward, lanky flyweight. All right. That brings us to our final fight of the card. Diana Belbita, Maria Oliveira. Belbita's not a natural athlete. I mean, I think the big thing, the big problem for her really, unfortunately, is that, and this is something that has come up, we've talked about before with some women in MMA. It seems to come across, I think in, in, in truth, it just is a is a lanky fighter thing. Is that she just doesn't have any core strength. Yeah. At all. And so no matter what Belbita does in a fight, she can get pushed around by just about anybody. Yeah. And Maria Oliveira is a bad grappler, but she is a much more comfortable athletic fighter standing than Belbita. She's faster. 
She's more confident in her strikes. And I don't think that Belbita has the strength, the core strength, to push her around if that's what she has to do. So I'm going to take Oliveira. I think Belbita's striking selection is getting better. I think she's put a lot of work into her boxing, but I think all of it is just sort of... Yeah, I mean... It's all coming at the expense of the fact that she's just not athletic enough to have the kind of fights that... Like, I don't even know. Like, what, what kind of fight do you need to have if you're just not strong? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I think the the boxing and the kickboxing has been her focus the whole time. She yeah. um, has been in a lot of brawls with people who just agree to have that kind of fight with her. But it's almost like, yeah, anytime they even just start to get the idea of taking her somewhere she doesn't want to be, she can't stop it from happening. Yeah. At all. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take uh, I'll take Maria Oliveira as well. Odds on the bout. Uh, pretty much dead even. Oliveira opened at minus 122, is currently at minus 100. And Belbita opened at minus 122, is at minus 110. Yeah, the only note I would have there is that, you know, you look at uh, Oliveira's losses over her career mm-hmm. in recent years. Vanessa Demopoulos, very strong, even if somewhat unstructured, but, you know, a fight that Oliveira was looking good in on the feet, but couldn't stop good, solid power double legs. Tabitha Ricci, who is a very good grappler and very bullish takedown artist. Marina Rodriguez and Kana Asakura. Mm-hmm. And... Diana Belbita, you're looking at Gloria DePaula, Liana Jojua, and Molly McCann. Who Oliveira beat, by the way, DePaula, didn't she? Uh, yeah, she did. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it's just not taking a very good level of athlete to take Belbita out of her game. But And for Maria Oliveira, it, it tends to actually be like... Those are all very good athletes. Yeah, the or at least yeah. very solid capable fighters like Kanasakura may not be the best athlete in the world. Yeah. But she is a very capable, well-trained fighter. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah, I I I think the odds could stand to be a little more skewed towards Oliveira here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. All right, yeah, let's dive in just a tiny bit to the prelims of this Cara France Albazi card where I get to do just a little more crowing. Oh, enough crowing yes. out of you, Zane. I know. I, I love using the, the word crowing, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> just one of those expressions that I think is so perfect for being proud of yourself. Uh-huh. They call Daniel him Z- Zane, Zane the one-eyed raven. That's right. That's a convoluted Game of Thrones reference slash dick joke. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed that. I'm calling you a dickhead, but a yeah. prophetic dickhead. You know, it's yeah, a prophetic dickhead. That's hey, look, if that's all that I get out of this whole vivisection <laughs> show over over ten years, I think it'll be well earned. <laughs> he may be a dickhead, but at least he has the gift of prophecy. That's right. Um, but Daniel Santos, Johnny Munoz Jr. And it turns out, I mean, I knew. I knew. You were wrong. Johnny Munoz doesn't just only have a jab. Yeah, that's true. He also has the world's most detrimental guard grappling game. God, another one of these. Enough guard, people. It doesn't work. The only way to play guard and win is to be insane. If you yeah. go look yourself in the mirror, do you see a crazy person there? Because if not, you're either really, really crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you see either a crazy person or the only sane person you've ever met? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If neither of those feelings is true, never ever play guard ever. It's bad. It's just it's it's also it's got to be like your path has to be 
instant submission position, which Munoz got to a couple of times early, very yeah. early. You saw yeah. the theory at play. Instant submission position, instant transition. You instantly, you are either going for a submission or you are going for a submission instantly to sweep to another position or you are getting up. The point is initiative. If you're on yeah. your back, you desperately need the initiative, way think, more so than you do on the feet. Think, my God, think all of you guard grapplers of Damian Maya. He should be your Lord and Savior because, yeah. A, he always shot first. He would always try to get his own takedowns before he would ever resort to pulling guard. B, his guard was an instant transition to a takedown attempt from sitting position. Yeah, it is a waypoint at best. And that if he ever had to pull guard and be on his back, it was always immediately in the hope of transitioning it into a takedown from the mat. You know? Mm-hmm. You don't see, you don't, you, don't, you can't you can't remember Damian Maya throwing up an arm bar. Yeah. Never happened. Well, very early in his very MMA career. Early. He had to learn that lesson the hard way. But he learned it. That's right. He learned to love the wrestling. Dick, Johnny Munoz Jr. has to be his game has to be one of the most fundamentally broken games I've seen at a high level in MMA. And let's be fair, I think I copped to this at the time. I knew it was not the right right pick. I just liked the jab. Yeah. It was was a a, a faint hope, and even I knew that. Yeah. Because, man, did Daniel Santos just, like, get sick of his shit and start whooping him. Yeah. It it, it was one of those matchups where, to pick Munoz, you would have to expect him um, to have a perfect fight. Yeah. Basically. And if he had the perfect fight, yes, he had the tools um, to, to find some success, but he was, he was not going to have a perfect fight, and he did not. Nope. Otherwise, uh, we didn't pick Muin Gafarov, even though it seemed like he had just the right game to beat John Castaneda because of short notice. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was true. He definitely had just the right game to beat John Castaneda because he whooped him for 95% of two rounds. Mm. And yet he entirely failed to win even one round in the fight for one of the weirder bouts, like one of the weirder score outcomes from a fight I can I can remember recently. Yeah, that's true. Because he got kicked in the head so hard in the first round that you couldn't actually give him that round despite no winning most of it. And then he got uh, he, a point to, he started flinging himself head first at Castaneda to the point that he had butted him hard enough that the ref was like, no, I have to take a point for that. And yeah. I got a nine, nine round out of a clear round. He otherwise would have won very easily. Yeah. It, it, I, I don't think it really was the short notice. It was no. Just, uh, it was just him being a complete unstructured wild man, apparently. Basically, yeah. Just the, the stars aligned for him to lose that fight. Yep. And um, we were totally wrong about. Well, we were right that Jamie Malarkey could fight a fight that very much beats Muhammad Naimov just on fundamentals, and he did that for two minutes and fifty-five seconds. Yeah. And then he got slept by one big counter. So <laughs> I can't believe you you skipped right past Dontel Mays. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to forget that. Yeah, he, but, he looked all right, Dontel yeah, Mays. He, he, you know what he did? He didn't spin very much. He That's a good sign. He didn't spin very much. That's a very good sign. And he pulled the trigger once every 30 to 60 seconds. Yeah. And that's a big step up from once every two minutes, which is about where he was in the past. Yeah, he, he looked, I mean, for him, markedly more consistent. If you're going to be a 6'6 guy with some foot speed, just uncorking one strike every now and then and staying out of the way of other strikes, that's going to get you a long way at heavyweight. Yeah, he still didn't have a lot of great ideas. He was in there yeah. doing very obvious stuff like, oh, look at this hand, look at this hand, like really obvious feints and then a super slow front kick. 
Yeah. I mean, not yeah. that it was super slow, but like that's not the strike you throw to just shock a guy out of the blue unless he's really, really open for it. But um, yeah, you know, I would say this was a reasonably given who Andre Arlovsky is. Yeah. He he could he could take a lot of people into slow fights that they're definitely losing, and Mays was not definitely losing before the knockout. Yeah. So all yeah. right performance from Mays. I think the answer was he got a little fatter. Yeah. I think that's sort of it's like all this spinning is actually making more me more tired than it used to. Get, so let's get, just throw some hands. Get the get the dad bought up, you know. Get 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 your dad quotient up to be a heavyweight. That's Dante. right. And yep. uh, he, he looked like he spent a significant portion of the training camp barbecuing. Yes. Or at least or at least eating barbecue. <laughs> 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 that did the trick. Uh, otherwise, Jin Yu Frey had the best round that she's fought in like five or six years. That's true. And- it, it was a real late career Tyron Woodley effort. Yes, you're like, gonna oh, do it. You're pulling yeah. the trigger. You're moving forward. You're hitting takedowns. All of these things that just show off like what an insane athletic advantage you have over this person that you're fighting, and then you're not. Yep, and you lose. It's too little, too late. Yeah, and doing that for one round, I don't think it sapped all the actual like physical energy out of her. It mm-hmm. just sapped her will. She just does not have the mental durability to yeah. fight. Yeah, there was no... I mean, she still hit takedowns on Elise Reed later, but she lo- started losing the fight with the Reed on her back just because Reed was throwing elbows and, yeah. like, trying to do things, going for submission attempts, and it was more than Frey had had the will to try. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I think we got to revise our position a bit on Luan Lacerda. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's time to say that perhaps the reason on the regionals that he was not that high output a fighter is that he does not have the conditioning to be that high output a fighter. Yeah. Because DeMont Blackshear, like, he showed up and did what he needed to do, which was... absolutely. He came off those losses where he was not getting off first and he was getting put on his back for being second and waiting around on his feet. And he just said, what if I just throw a bunch out... What if I just throw a bunch of strikes, have a bunch of output, always be first, always go first? And I mean, I kind of, was... I kind of even liked the look of his back foot boxing. Yeah, it wasn't like technically perfect, but he he had the idea. He's moving yeah. his feet. Um, when you're at the right range, when and and especially when you're getting the opponent to hesitate, flicking them with the jab as he was. You don't need to be in perfect position. You can afford to cross your feet and kind of walk around and take it easy if you're at a safe distance and you have frozen the opponent. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he looked pretty comfortable with that, actually. Yeah. It was, I, I thought a pretty solid performance for him. I don't know, though. Like, Lacerda fought a way higher pace than this against Cody Stamen, and he ate a shitload of body shots. I think it's the scrambling. Like, Blackshear is just an insane that, scrambler. That must be it. And, and Blackshear looks strong, too. Yeah, dealing with, just dealing with his grappling uh, offense. Yeah. Must, it, must that's the reason I, I can't, you know, I was saying in the Viva section last week, I, like, I really like Blackshear's game. I want to see it succeed. Yeah. And this is the fight. This fight was why. It's because when, yeah. he's, when he's clicking, his game is really fun. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty solid performance from him. Yeah. Nothing else on this card I care about. So, <laughs> not not Lynn's Grishin. Yeah. Not Lynn's Grishin. That fight might go on the depressed us soon. You might be watching <laughs> that one again. I can't wait. <laughs> the two dogs barking through a fence of MMA fights. Hey, it was pretty fun for a Maxim Grishin fight. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He only sucked ninety percent of the air out of the arena. All right. On that note, you can find me on Twitter at these things. I find Connor on Twitter at Boxing Bush. Find both of us at Bloody Elbow and share the podcast. Tell tell all your friends. Find friends, make friends, and tell them about the podcast. <laughs> maybe that's a more reasonable. Put the goals in order. Yeah, maybe go to like a trivia night or something. Yeah. You'll meet you'll meet someone one of these days. There you go. Don't and, make it. Actually, don't. It's more important to me that you make friends 
than that you share it with your friends. So do not make it conditional that they be into MMA because those kind of people don't make friends easily, more, as you as you know. More important to me that you show up at Trivia Night blaring the podcast through a portable speaker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including... The MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate. The Level Change Podcast. The Hey, Not the Face Podcast. The MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows. The Sixth Round Post Fight Show. The Show Money Podcast. And the MMA Depressed Us.